<laughs> you got that's supposed to be the Skype sound. Yeah. I thought you were laying on a new track. No, I was really sound. excited that you were about to get into a song. Oh, hey, oh, hey Max. Hey, hey, Sam. Hey. Hey, how's it going? It's good, man. How are you? Oh, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. I guess I should... I should have asked the questions. Like, you, you sure we got all the things recording? You got the right thing I going so. up there? Okay. Audio hijack He's... appears to be recording. I don't have a call pl- recorder going, though, so hopefully we won't need a backup. All right. And uh, check, check. My audio levels seem um, I seem a little low, a little low, a little low maybe. <laughs> a little bump on the game. Uh, I was just doing game. this to kind of probe the question, kind of give us something to talk about. No, but here you a are. Legitimate question. <laughs> actually actually we... fiddling with our tech. We're not professionals. Well, Max, it's been a while since we've done this, so I don't remember which buttons buttons to push. Or how uh, to say buttons. Or how to say buttons. Uh, <laughs> Emily is sitting in the room behind me. We're recording at a weird time, 422 on a Wednesday. It's yeah. not generally a podcasting time for me, so I'm just all kind of whomper jawed. We're doing it for the fans, though. We had people needed content. I couldn't hear. Okay, I could. No talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is not your this is not your time to shine on the podcast. This is her day dude, she's used this as her debut. This is this is her podcast debut. Okay. Max, what's up? How are things going? I'm throwing off my game already. I know. It's only supposed to be us. This is gonna be Okay. Alright, we'll this... just pretend she's not here. <laughs> this is supposed to be our podcast. Yeah. Um, our podcast. It's good, man. I was trying to think, like, you know, it's been... I actually had to look to see when we last recorded. It uh-huh. was June June 14th, so... June 14th, wow. It's almost July 8th, 8th today. All right, so well... So it's been a minute. Um, but then I really thought about it, and, and honestly, it's felt like no time. It's truly passed, and it's... it's what we, is time, really? Yeah, exactly. We live <laughs> in this weird time warp uh, period uh, of our history, so, yeah. All, every day is the same. And things haven't, I mean, really changed that much for us here. I mean, we're we're on the Massachusetts has got pretty low cases every day, um, but that doesn't really that doesn't really change yeah. anything. We uh, we um we need to do a check in round, Max. You're getting I do, you're, I, you're getting right into it, and I just can't talk until we do a check in round. Well, my check in round is less. Maybe this isn't a lot. This is maybe this is not how check in rounds work. You're I just have a topic that I want to bring up because okay. it came up. We were talking about at the farm recently. Okay. And that was basically – so we were a family that, that road tripped everywhere. Yes. Um, we did not really fly. There were seven of us. That would be expensive. And we were pretty consistent with our vacations. Yes. Um, and so we were just talking about just road tripping and just you know our memories of road tripping. Uh-huh. And I want to ask you first off, do you – now that you're older, do you still enjoy road trips or no? I love me a road trip. Road okay. trips are great. I wanted to ask if you have any – because you – I would say have road tripped more than the rest of us, not only because you have lived in California mm-hmm. at one point, but also because you were the only hockey player in our family that was considered good enough to be AAA, apparently, mm-hmm. and which meant you got to travel to, to play hockey in cool places mm-hmm. like Alaska, I think. You did not did you road ever... trip to Alaska. Oh, no, okay. did play in Alaska, yeah. Oh, you played in Alaska. Um, you got, I mean, you played in Quebec. You played in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. I think you played in some other, other faraway places, so... I to make it more of a check in Budapest. Yeah, you didn't drive. (laughs) (laughs) See that one I knew you probably flew to because I thought you know that was a tough road trip. Um, But to make it more of a check in round question, um, I'm just curious. What do you have a favorite road trip memory or favorite road trip memories? Whether that be our many drives to White Plains, Kentucky, 
or maybe a hockey road trip with dad with your guys' little toaster oven thing you had in the car? <laughs> uh, good question. I think the best road trips were when uh, we were of an age or I was of an age where mom would go all out and getting like treats and snacks mm-hmm. and fun little things to keep us occupied in the car on the way to Kentucky. Like yeah. our, our boxes that we were surprised with at the beginning of every trip were always Which the best a, thing. That, what a good idea. So I brought that yeah. up to my, my coworker and actually they had a similar ish thing. Uh, mom sounded a little bit better, better uh, laid out. Yeah, but yeah, you, I, did, I didn't really describe it there. Describe what, what I'm talking about here. What, what, are, what are we talking about? It's actually, I did, I forgot for a while that this was a thing because obviously we got to an age eventually where we never had these. But when we were of an age where there were five kids in the car and you had to occupy them for what was about 10 hours usually um, for this trip because let's be honest, we stopped a ton. And this was back when Ohio um, was a different hellhole and it was only 60 miles an hour and it took forever to get through it. Um, But anyways, so we got these these like rubber boxes or these like rubber made like yeah, clip like open totes. boxes yeah, the yeah and they were yeah. you know they weren't huge they were maybe like two feet wide you know two feet by two feet or something they were they were decent sized yeah. and they were just packed full of things that were meant to get you through the road trip um and they were also they would carry over usually to the vacation as well if they were right. certain toys they'd be broken out while we were in kentucky but they were what i usually remember was like treats and snacks and things like that but also um, like coloring books and things to be Hot Wheels, maybe a book. Maybe you got a new book in there to read. Um, there were some little like games that we would have that were like trivia that would be in there. Um, there's probably some other things. I was trying to remember what my favorite like box thing was, yeah, but I can't actually know. remember. Or even what the best like snacks we would get were. But but you didn't really know what was gonna be in your box. Mom would 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 build them all kind of like a, a Santa Christmas Eve thing, <laughs> yeah. and then the morning of getting put into the car at 6 a.m. and you would all have your box loaded into the back and accessible to you and then you get to break that bad boy out for the next 10 hours yep. and it was a magical magical thing i should yes i need to so pick much. that up again just for myself when i am as an adult driving to yeah. do some sort of road trip why not it's, give myself a special little box little <laughs> treat box it is i think i mean I kind of still do that because road trip snacks I get pretty excited for before road I go in. Snacks any, are pretty great. Any sizable trip, I have to, you know, you have to load up on things. Yeah. And because diet, diet goes out the window the second you travel. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I guess I, I do remember the boxes. I've been thinking about the boxes a lot recently, trying to remember <laughs> more specifically what was in them. And I can't I, – I, we need to ask mom actually because she was a, the mastermind behind creating these yeah. and where she got the idea from because this was pre, you know – Pinterest and someone coming up with this like idea. This is probably just pure desperation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my other road favorite road trip as an adult, I, I did the drive from Detroit to LA and then from LA back to Detroit. Um, and the one when I did it for the first time from Detroit to or from Michigan to LA, it was the most uneventful road trip that you could possibly have. Like, there were Nothing days happened. where I'm pretty sure I never took my foot off the accelerator except to like stop at the end of the day and like you know at the beginning. And it was in my my really crappy old Jetta, which I loved. It was a manual transmission. Um, I actually have maybe I'll put these in show notes. I have a couple short YouTube videos that I made during that trip of just like mm-hmm. talking. I was doing like a a vlog of uh, my of that road trip. 
Yeah. So how long did that trip take? A couple of days. You, I think it took me like three days. I, I broke it up a little bit because I visited uh, a friend and I stayed there for like a day. But I think it, if I hadn't done that, I think it would have been like three days. Did you take an interesting route? I know there's a, there's variations Not of really. interesting routes you can take. Route. Which is like through Arizona. Through and Arizona. Like and then like up, Colorado. up to L.A. from the south. Okay. Yeah, I think that is probably the more uneventful way to go. Yeah, and uh, I, the way I came home was a little bit more northern. Not like super northern, but a, like I, I think I came through the Rockies a little bit more northern than I did on the way there. Probably didn't want, to take that, didn't want to take that car through the Rockies, really, did you? I mean, I had no choice, really. I, you have well, to kind of go through the Rockies to get, to get back, but yeah. It, I, it, it, was, um, it handled it really well. That car was incredible. I miss it. I know. You mentioned a lot, I think. I think yeah, the car has been mentioned more than once in the podcast. Probably. 98 Jetta. Whew. What yeah. about you? What's your best road trip memory? I don't... Or best road well, trip. I, they all... Here's the thing. And because I do have... I loved every road trip that we ever took to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all definitely blur together. Oh, I remember... Yeah. You know, like I have specific little like bits here and there of like... I remember, you know, dodging around really, really bad traffic. I remember seeing times where like, you know... Yeah, like there was a crazy thunderstorm or something, and we had like you know, the, the highway was closed and things like that. But for the most part, I always loved getting to Old Country Buffet because oh, that yeah. was the halfway point. Old uh, Country Buffet. I think my road trip experience was different than everybody else's as well because I can't read in cars mm. without getting sick. Um, and everyone else has road trip memories of me getting sick, um, I'm sure. Um, but I remember there was a, the segment from Cincinnati to um, – Grandma and grandpa's in Kentucky, the five hour trip there. I was sitting in the front with them and I couldn't do anything. And so I just started because the kind of kid I was, I started counting all the semis that went by the other way. And I was counting every semi that passed me and I was counting them for a while. And then I fell asleep. And when I woke up, grandma, of course, lying, I discovered at a later age, I'm sure, <laughs> told me how many she counted while I was asleep. <laughs> And so I added that to the number I already had, and I picked up counting where we left off until we got to their house. And I remember that fairly fondly for being an incredibly menial thing to do, but I counted I counted semis for – I think I did it on many? the first half of the trip. I probably – it was over 1,000 wow. for a 10-hour trip. I mean, but like, yeah. you know, there were times we were going through, you know, Ohio, and you're passing tons of, of semis. Um, I wouldn't say it was probably the best counting system ever either, <laughs> but – but yeah, that was how I passed one trip. But I've only taken a couple other road trips outside of that, like what I would almost just call a commute at that point. When we would go down to Kentucky, yeah, <laughs> we knew every we knew every sign, everything to look forward to, you know, little little things that meant you were getting closer or you were about to approach where you knew you would always get lunch. Um, but I drove out west with Aunt Nancy and Uncle Joe and them as well. Um, which was more interesting visually because there were just cool things to see uh, once we got out there. But yeah, nothing that like super stands out in my memory other than just like absolutely loving a road trip. I thought they were the, I thought it was the best, That's right. even though, you know, I think maybe too it helped that we were going somewhere that we always enjoyed going to. So that yeah, that does help. The destination the destination was good, but I could talk about road trips forever well, or our summer vacations to Kentucky. We'll but, have to save we'll have to save that topic for another time. Yeah, this got me. This got me thinking because I think we are heading home. We we drive back a lot actually from Massachusetts instead of flying, and so we are gearing up to drive home uh, end of July. So, where we yeah. will see you. Indeed, you shall see me. I'm not sure how long I'll be home, but for at least for a little bit. I think I am also going to drive. Nice. 
Noise. You need to get that, need to get that car moving. You bought that car. <laughs> I bought that car. I, I checked it the other day. It has 600 miles on it. We've had it for like three and a half months. Yeah. This would be one of those cars you see when you go to sell it where it's like, this car is from 1972, been driven <laughs> <laughs> yep. like 10,000 miles or something. Exactly. So. All, All right. right. What's going, going on at the in? farm? Um, you know, the same old <laughs> plants are in the ground. I don't growing. know if you've had pigs since we last talked. I, I, I listened to the old podcast because I had to remind myself if pigs had come. And pigs uh, were not here as of last podcast. So we got pigs, y'all. And yeah, walk us through how many pigs, what their personalities are like, what are they like, what are they into? Um, for sure, for sure. They are there's six of them. They came at a pretty adorable stage, cuter than last year. They came a little they came a little fat last year. Um they <laughs> they're, they're they're fat already, but they are probably like seven weeks old. They're about like twenty five pounds probably when we got them. Um six of them. They are authentic heritage breed, Berkshires. Um and which means they just have some fun coloring on them. They're, you know, still like a, a blackish gray, but they have like white speckled faces and different like markings on them. Um, like all pigs, they have so much personality. I've been this year just in general dealing a lot more with the livestock. Um, but I've been, I've been pretty much feeding them every day and they're great. They, I run them wallows every day. Um, I get to watch them jump into the mud I watched, there's one pioneer from the start. He did this, he climbs in the trough to eat. Um, so when I pour all their food in the, in the trough, yeah, he gets up in there and he lays right in it. And so he's pretty much securing all that food underneath them. No one's going to be able to get to. <laughs> and he's got it after it's been all up on his body. Yeah. They're pigs, man. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> they don't mind. They don't mind. Um, but since, the, since then I noticed today that now three of them get in the trough because they decided the fattest one was the one laying in the trough. So he was doing the best. Um, so now it's a little bit of a battle of the three that are laying and the three that are like trying to get their noses in there to eat. Um, took them a while to figure out how the water, how to get water out of the the little tub that we fill up for them, um, but they seem to have figured it out. Um, other than that, they're great. They haven't escaped yet. Um, no, no major issues uh, as of yet. Definitely my preferred livestock on the farm. Um, do you have not to do just, any sort of, um, you know, for the. For the lambs, you do the cheese test where you look at their faces. Uh, is there uh, a pig uh, equivalent to that? There isn't any like weekly or biweekly test that we do for them. Um, other than, I mean, every time, every day when I feed them, I usually just hang out for a second to, to keep an eye on them to make sure they all eat. And last year, you know, one of them got that. Uh, a couple of them got that like flu or that bacterial disease. But these ones, it was a thing that could be vaccinated for. You could vaccinate your piglets. Um, so they wouldn't get that. And the guy that we got our pigs always in from always vaccinate here, your piglets. Always vaccinate. That's what we've been saying. And last always year we really be vaccinating it. your piglets. That's, and, that's uh, what I always say. And they so they have that vaccination this year. Uh, the guy was nice enough. I mean, he obviously charged us for it, but a lot of places won't vaccinate them for you because it's just more work for them. Um, but he vaccinated them all, so hopefully none of them will get what I can't remember what the name was. Whatever it was they had last year that was that involved the the thermometer up the butt and the that giving the stabbing the shot into the pig's like thigh and all those things. We're hoping we're gonna dodge that this year. Um, so so far so good. The lambs are a different story. Um, we still we still have all ten. 
nothing nothing has happened um they have hated the hot weather which is not surprising yeah they're all they're all wearing wool sweaters i know which you know wool wool's supposed to wick away i think supposed to wick moisture or something well, i don't see you out um, there wearing a wool sweater <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's because I, I do have the choice um but they we you know we've been doing the famacha test i think last time i mentioned it there was one we had treated yeah. um which was pretty, you know, great, but we're back to more on average, which is a little frustrating, which is we treated five uh, two weeks ago. Um, so four new ones, the same one uh, got treated again. So we're up to 50% of them needing to be treated. Um, we actually check on them again this Friday. How do you treat them again? Just like a pill or something? Oh, yeah, I guess we haven't really talked about that. So this, it's basically, it's a, a liquid that you give them called ivermectin, and you basically have this, like, super kind of like cool looking gun that you fill it up with the liquid and then you choose the amount of ounces that you need to give them based on their weight, which is a, another hassle. So basically we catch these lambs three times to give them this medicine because the first test is to see if they need it. Right. You, and we check them all. Then once we know which ones need it, you have to get them again and take out like a, <laughs> you take out like a, a seamstress, like measuring tape and you like, you're like getting them six, <laughs> You're basically measuring them for their suits, and you have to wrap it around their little chest and find out how big their chest is, and then find out what their length is from you know down to their tail, and then you uh-huh. do a, a, some multiplication to figure out basically what the average weight would be for one of those lambs, um, and then once you know that, you can come back and treat them with the proper amount of ounces. Why and usually don't you just catch them once, and then if it needs uh, it, you hold on to them and you do the measuring, and then you, you have the other person right there ready to go, and you. We should do all three at once, but I mean, it's a little bit annoying because I guess there's two of us in there and we could do it. You know, you, you, the first time you're catching them, I guess you could have someone standing there just like handing you everything you need, but there's a, there's a range of, of quantities of the medicine you need to give them. But Hmm. if you're right, most of them fall within the same range, um, based on pounds. Except for that big boy. Except for the big boy, which we haven't, we haven't had to give. Uh, yeah, Big Mama has not been measured or anything yet because she's Big still Mama healthy. Maybe like given given birth to her own uh, litter of lambs. There's a chance that they might start multiplying. <laughs> um, she she is also still yes categorically much much larger than all the other ones. Um, but so yeah, then you basically the little gun that you use to squirt the the liquid has got like a maybe like a four inch long metal tip on it, and you just put that in there you try to get that in their mouth to some extent and squirt and they'll almost always you never see them like spit it up or anything because it usually shoots it kind of to the back of their throat like a super soaker yeah and they drink it down and and they don't love it and but it's it seems to work that being said we're gonna ivermectin is like a pretty intense chemical not great thing to give your lambs it doesn't feel good as an organic farm to be giving them even though it is like the only real medicine on the market for this type of thing right now um, but there have been some trials with some, um, like successful trials with this herbal remedy. That's a, a concoction of more natural things that you can give them. Um, and not necessarily this, this ivermectin, which is turning out that the parasite might be becoming more resistant to it. Kind of like, you know, um, the bacteria resistant, things like that. So, um, we're going to try, we ordered the herbal remedy. It just hadn't come yet. So we might give that a go soon to see this Friday. We're going to check them. The other issue is with lambs. And specifically their pasture, it's been so hot that the lot of their pasture has turned brown and is starting to um, – grasses are getting to the point where they're turning brown and, and like lignifying, which just means their their stomachs can't process it, so they won't eat it. 
So we're going to check on Friday and make sure that none of them are like underfed or, or malnourished so because soon you guys are going to have to make some bespoke lamb meals. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we're lambs. We're going to, yeah, well, I was going to say, we're probably going to get some blue apron and uh, we'll have to hire a lamb chef. It's going to be expensive and it's hard. That's why it's hard to make money raising lamb. Yeah. Is that you have to get a lamb chef. And, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll do a little test on, on Friday and, and see if we can feel, mainly you're just trying to feel their, if you can feel their ribs, that is a sign that they are not eating enough. That's true for um, humans too, by the way. I, so, and I think with Big Mama, that won't be an issue, but for the rest of them, it might be. So if that's true, it's going to become annoying, but we're going to start buying in food for them. Um, so we'll see what happens there. All right. Um, but you know, I, all, all 16 animals on the farm still alive. And all the humans. Um, and all the humans are still, still alive as well, that's still kicking. Good. Uh, other than that, quick things, I'll just rattle off. I did put on here because I was just like, you know, it's good to humanize us as a farm and, and things don't always go super well. I mean, um, obviously our pigs having a parasite or our lambs having a parasite doesn't sound great, but that's pretty normal. But we we definitely had some struggles with pests this year. It's been so hot that the pests are just crushing us. And we lost our greenhouse cucumbers were very, very brief. Um, you really rely on those because you're giving them preferential treatment by putting them in the greenhouse and you're saying you know you control a lot more of their growing environment but right. cu- cucumber beetles have been out in full force this year um bastards. these little bastards these little black and yellow striped tiny little beetles that um get it on the flowers and they spread more most notably they spread bacterial wilt so basically you'll just start seeing your cucumber plants start to, to wilt up and die and it just spreads from plant to plant so we're gonna rip out them the greenhouse cucumbers this Friday and plant a second round. Um, I mean, you have to assume that the same fate will come to the second ones, but we hope we can get them big enough. You know, we got harvests off these first ones. It's just that they did not last nearly as long as we would have liked. Are these like a beetle that you can just go like pluck off with your hands or? No. So unlike the potato beetles, these, these bad boys fly, um, which is not helpful and they are pretty small. Um, they're like a, like a size of a a small sprinkle. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, as you know, a small sprinkle, Sam. Um, um, but so there, that's, you can't really deal with them by trying to pick them off or anything. There are a few different methods. I'm sure that there are a couple of beneficial insects you can introduce. It's hard to introduce them into an open environment and hope that they'll be successful. Right. The main thing you can do that is very successful, and we can't necessarily do it because the space we're growing in is weird because it's partly where we start our seedlings and also where we grow some vegetables. Um, what people do is put this insect netting on the sides. So when you know when a hoop house or greenhouse gets hot, you roll the sides up to, right. you know, to, to lower the temperature and that just opens up more space for things to get in. So you can put, install this insect netting that will essentially keep the, the beetles out. The only way they be able to come in is through the doors. And then most farms, what they do is they leave the sides as high as they'll go, have upper vents or something, and then they leave the doors closed unless you're going into harvest or do something. And that will keep out a majority of the of the cucumber beetles to the point where you can get your cucumbers to survive a lot longer. Um, that's the most notable one. Um, that's probably if you know in my future farm, if I have the the choice to grow greenhouse cucumbers and I can, I will install that netting, you know, whatever value it, whatever it costs is worth getting cucumbers for three months from a hoop house versus one month. Um, it's pretty frustrating to put all the effort to plant these in a, in a high value space and then not really get much out of them. Right. So yeah, that was the main frustrating failure and 
we, as we talked about potato beetles, the potato beetles are still out, still eating potatoes, still being gross. You got um, any of those, uh, those parasitic wasps? They don't deal with the potato beetle They're that the we know of. They're the hornworms, right? They go for the hornworms. We haven't seen any hornworms yet, so maybe we did a good number on their, their population of them last year. Hmm. Um, but tomato season is kind of just ramping up, so I think in the next month we'll probably start to see hornworms and hopefully see parasitic wasps. Cool. Um, if the, if that population is still is still healthy, um, other than that, last thing is the flower CSA that you know was the, kind of the thing that Kaylee and I came up with in the winter starts tomorrow, so that's the first. Um, Are you ready? Are you prepared? How are you feeling? Me personally, yeah, I feel fine. But the, the main thing that you worry about with a flower CSA is that you just have enough stems. <laughs> People can go out there and cut the amount that they're supposed to be given, um, and we do we do have enough stems at least for this first week. Um, the hard part with a pick your own type of thing that we're doing here is that in order to like for flowers to get the production that you need or to stay having good production, you need people to cut the flowers in the proper way. And by that, I mean, don't cut super low on something. And, and basically these things always branch. So if you imagine, you know, where there's two leaves and the, the flower goes up, if you cut above those two leaves, there's probably going to be two branches that come out there. Um, but if you cut improperly, you are kind of screwing yourself over for the future. Uh, and you know, we've tried to send out videos to show people how it's done and, and teach people, but tomorrow will be the first time that we go and, you know, after they cut, we'll look out there, go with them and make sure they don't F it up. Yeah. I mean, so last week we had people picking herbs for the first time with the normal vegetable CSA and it, same thing, sent out videos and everything and it went very well. So like we have, we're hoping people are, are, are grasping it and I watching the videos. like. The type of person who takes makes the effort to to join a CSA is probably open to like or may already know like things about plants and gardening and whatnot, or at least be open to learning. Yeah, so I think we'll see how it goes tomorrow. If we discover, we walk around tomorrow and think like one. If we see like oh, there's a ton of blooms left, like that's a good sign. Like you know, we'll go through and cut those, and we'll make sure the plants stay healthy. If we go through tomorrow and it looks like some monster came through and just (laughs) stepped on everything and (laughs) shit's just pounded into the ground, and we no longer have any plants, then we'll have to reevaluate. But I think well, then you should be able to say to them, hey, you monsters, you did it. Yeah, (laughs) your CSA is over because you guys did it wrong. You did bad. You did a bad job. You yeah. did bad flowering. And yeah. so um, I think it'll go well. I'm excited. You know, I'm, I'm just happy that the plants got to the stage where we have a lot of flowers right now. So that's cool. Um, build update in the future of, of how it actually went. So that's 10 weeks starting this week. Um, so hopefully for 10 weeks we can continue to have, you know, a good supply of flowers. Um, I think that's the main farm things. I mean, I could ramble on forever. Have, it's been three I have weeks. So a question about yeah. farm stuff. We may have already talked about this before, but. I've gone in a, down a bit of a YouTube hole the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you have bees at your farm? Why aren't you far, Why aren't you keeping bees? We do have bees. You do um, have bees, like an actual we don't, like, beehive. Yep. So we there is a, a guy that that knows the owner of the restaurant um, who's a beekeeper, and he's kind of been the one keeping bees at the farm. Um, we would like for it to be a thing that we do. Um, we all have some interest in it. It's a very, it's very important on any farm that grows anything fruiting, hence cucumbers, tomatoes, eggplant, anything like that. Yeah. I know what foods are, Max. Well, sometimes people think those are vegetables and those things come from flowers. So, um, we do have a guy that keeps bees on the farm. We never see, we do. Yeah. I go over there and they're kind of in the, the back corner of our farm and they seem, we see them around the farm. It's nice to see that. 
there's a ton of flowering stuff, not even just our crops, but just in the area in general, thanks to the pasture and other places. So I think these are very, very happy bees. Well, you should um, get we, more and you should learn about it because I want to learn. I want to keep bees. It's, I've taken one part of my class at Michigan State, did some, some beekeeping stuff, and it was incredibly fascinating. And I think, you know, my future farm will definitely have right. beekeeping involved Good. because it's a pretty much a surefire way to make sure at least you have one thing you can check off is not the problem, which is pollination. So, right. um, Plus, amateur beekeeping channels on youtube are my favorite thing on the internet right now the more amateur the better there's this guy (laughs) named daryl who sounds like he's from kentucky sounds like he'd be any of one of our relatives wherever he lives looks like kentucky and i swear you sure it's not kentucky (laughs) it might be kentucky honestly it might be he is delightful he keeps bees i've seen at least but he hasn't been doing it very long apparently because i've seen at least three videos where he says he's doing something for the very first time uh and (laughs) I saw a video where he removed a bumblebee nest. I'd never seen a bumblebee nest before. Also, they stung the shit out of him, uh, which was hilarious. Uh, it's just, uh, it's so good. I love beekeeping YouTube. You are seriously CGP Grey. That's what you sound like. <laughs> I know. I, I see um, what he means now. Are you going to get into it at some point, Sam? I mean, I live in with... an apartment in the middle of Arlington, Virginia, so not imminently. Well, I mean, yeah, this that setting is still not perfect, but there is. I was reading some articles about about urban beekeeping as a thing in London and other big cities. Yeah, I um, can't imagine our apartment would be particularly pleased if I had a beehive on our balcony. Yeah, usually it's the apartment probably consents, and usually on the roof. Um, <laughs> yeah. of not too massive of buildings, but I'd be into it though. If I had a house or something someday, I would. I'd keep some bees. Yeah, they're pretty. I mean, they actually are. F- fairly low maintenance um yeah and it really depends on how good of a beekeeper you want to be (laughs) some people don't check on their bees super often and some people are there you know weekly keeping an eye on them but wild how like the bees can kind of like get used to you and like they'll Mm -hmm. go and like check on the hive without wearing any sort of anything just and then i saw this other video where one of the guy's hives got got like they 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 became like uh, extremists. They became they became <laughs> they got, radicalized. They got radicalized, and he had to he had to euthanize the whole hive. And he was really awesome. sad about it. He cried a little bit, but then I watched him do it, and it was satisfying because they were mean bees. They were the meanest bees I've ever seen. Every time he went into his, into his yard, they started attacking him, and they were just it was crazy. Did he say what causes that? Is that it's not a mite related? I think they were Africanized. And he, he thought it was genetic, maybe. Um, and he hmm. tried to do something like he gave him a new queen, thinking that maybe that would calm yeah. him down. They kill it. I don't. Yeah, I think they killed the queen. Um, <laughs> he eventually Classic. went in, and then he went in and found that queen, their other queen, and like killed that and thought maybe that would like help him calm him down and. They just went even more nuts, so eventually he... <laughs> he should not have killed the queen. <laughs> so eventually what he did is mixed up a bunch of dish soap uh, into water and just poured it over the hive after he plugged up the hole and it killed them all. Wow. He was That's really actually very sad. It. That was very sad. It was crazy. Man, I'm telling you, man, beekeeping be YouTube. It's the best YouTube there is. <laughs> That's our sponsor. I want to hear more week. about your bees. Get more involved with your bees at your farm, all right? Okay, I'll um. Or we don't see our bee guy very often, which makes me question his. his yeah. Beak, well, when you skills. see him, become his apprentice. I just gotta talk him to find out his name is Daryl. I'm like Daryl. <laughs> maybe yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the guy. If he's wearing um, shorts and Crocs and has kind of a goofy haircut, but it's also Darryl. but he's also like weirdly handsome. That's Daryl. Okay. Got got it. I'll write all that down. Make sure I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Well, other than watching. B videos, which sounds like maybe that's been a big part of your uh, past couple of weeks. It's hard to say. 
Uh, what's, what's been new with you? Oh, uh, what has been new with me? My grand um, office experiment has ended uh, just, just in a really pathetic, pathetic, sad way, which was me deciding that it's stupid that I'm paying $1,000 a month for an office that I never go to. Mm-hmm. And I went and got all my stuff out of there, including the things that I had bought and had shipped to my office that I had never even like retrieved from the mailroom. Oh. Uh, including a coat rack. Do you need a coat rack? I have an unopened coat rack. What kind of coat rack is it? Like, do you uh, mount it on the wall or like a, no, a stand-up it's, one? It's a stand. This guy right here. <laughs> oh wait, you're you're showing it. I don't my Skype open on the video. What's that? Oh, that's a handsome little it's rack. A, it's a high grade. It says high grade on it. High grade <laughs> goat rack. Coat rack with six hooks. <laughs> I want that to be a goat rack so bad. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you honestly want this, I'll bring it home when we go to Michigan, and you can have it. I would take that. That looks nice. I also have a purple. <laughs> I have a purple rug, um, and I have a cork board, and I have a surge protector, and I have a white board on wheels. Wow. <laughs> All of which um, are at home now and taking up space. Yes. Nice. Well, so I mean, and there is, a... however, there is a glimmer. A small glimmer of hope that I may at someday have that office again. I initially emailed them. I was like, look, cancel my stuff. I'm out of here. And the guy mm-hmm. was like, okay. And then he came back and he's like, actually, let's negotiate. And I said, okay. Yeah, let's negotiate. I said, let's, I said, let's negotiate. And I said, what's your best offer? And he hasn't gotten back to me yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're killing it. <laughs> Art of the deal over here. Sam Spurlock. <laughs> I can't wait to hear its leads. If he comes back and is like willing to cut my monthly fee substantially, I may hold on to it for a couple of months um, and mm-hmm. see if things calm down later in the fall, and then maybe I'll I'll pick it up again. But I don't anticipate him coming back with anything that super great. Do you have any type of hour amount that you think you spent inside that <laughs> office? One week. I did one week of work at it. Yeah. Um, I remember that feel good. Feel good. It was nice. I liked working there. Yeah. yeah, it was nice having a space. Um, pretty focused. Nice. Yeah, but uh, it just doesn't make sense right yeah. now. Yeah, like my home office is nice, and I don't really you want to be going out around other people right now. And and Emily's here. If you've just heard that in the background, <laughs> which she yeah. thinks, which she thinks is a perk, I am skeptical of that. <laughs> um, so. It's nice to have coworkers again, you know. I guess so. But um, okay, so your office list again? Yeah, well, home well, I mean, I just just home office. Uh, what else? Uh, we did uh, so normally the ready does a trimesterly retreat three times a year. Everyone flies to wherever we happen to have our retreat. We spend a couple of days doing just internal team stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. our last one was in South Carolina right before the pandemic. And then we were due for another one. Uh, but we obviously were not going to bring people together to make people travel at this time. So we did it virtually a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was far more exhausting than a normal retreat because we basically did from like 10 to two or three every day. Um, like retreat stuff where we were like fully together working on, on things, which is just a lot. And without any of the fun parts of the retreat, which is like amazing say, yeah. food and, and catching food. up and just seeing yeah. people in person that yeah. you never really see otherwise. Exactly. 
We did um, do two nights, two game nights, playing like Jackbox games yeah, um, at night uh, that some people joined, uh, which was fun. But yeah, I didn't quite. We didn't. You know, we generally eat very well at retreats. Yes, you like, guys do. Fancy, like real <laughs> fancy boys and girls. Um, and that was not so much with the digital, uh, the virtual retreat. Did you make Aaron promise that in the future he'll make it up to you guys by all having a fancy dinner? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we. I, I'm sure once things get back to a better place, we'll we'll make up for lost ground. Um, yeah. Okay. Then how was yeah. the work? The work stuff was work was it stuff feel was, productive? Yeah, it was good. We um, I think we got a lot a lot done. Um, and yeah, we did our normal kind of thing where we look at the initiatives that we had funded at the last retreat, kind of do a show and tell of what we accomplished. Um, then we went through our process for pitching new internal initiatives and deciding as a company how much money we want to set aside to do those over the next trimester, um, that whole process. And then we just did, um, some like team ish stuff, working on some kind of internal dynamics that I don't really want to go into the details of, uh, but it was all good. And, um, yeah, I think we, we left the retreat in a better place than when we came into it for various reasons. So I was actually pretty – left it feeling pretty optimistic. Yeah, so there's been – you were saying like, you know, obviously there's still plenty of uncertainty, but this has been going on a little bit longer. Have you guys seen a little bit more of what you think things will be like? From You know, you, you were saying you know, maybe we need to get smaller, get ready to prepare ourselves for not a lot of new clients or – you know, X, Y, and Z, like a lot of just unknown things. Do you feel like any of that has worked its way out or has some of it been solved or, I mean, yeah. not that, I don't know how much has changed in the working world other than people finding maybe a rhythm, but. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's still a lot of unknowns about how bad this economic period is going to be and how much it'll affect us. We have definitely learned that a handful of our clients, including the one that I'm working with right now, are in industries that are pretty insulated from the stuff that's happening right now and they still have mm -hmm. a lot of appetite for this work and we're still uh, selling additional work within these uh, corporations which is great and um, take some of the pressure off of us as a company um, we have I think actually sold another kind of medium-sized project since all of this went down um, with a, a healthcare company I believe so I think we're all feeling pretty good. I think actually, you know, just today, my project team made a decision that we're going to hire at least one more person pretty soon uh, mm -hmm. to join us on our on our project. So, you know, I don't I don't think we're completely out of the woods yet. I don't know. We're not like selling a ton of stuff right now. We would be very happy to see that pace pick up a little bit. But we're also not like scrambling and trying to figure out, you know, are we all going to take pay cuts or what to get through this. What's do you have a general consensus of what the vibes like in the world of consulting in general though that's not specifically your company have you seen like is this kind of true for a lot of the companies like you know obviously there's a couple massive firms that exist that do this work but like are you seeing you know most people have found there are a couple stable clients and are are still doing all right or are there those consulting companies that are kind of like there's at least panic that you've seen or is that all just being hidden probably <laughs> i think it depends on the type of consulting they do i think a lot of these really large organizations i've seen people get laid off over the past couple of months often more mm -hmm. junior folks um if you're if there are consulting companies in the world doing 
I, I think I've seen like more like marketing related consulting areas get hit because marketing is the type of thing that an organization will cut back on pretty quick. Like they can, yeah. they can cut back on marketing budgets to get through lean times. And if you're doing consulting in that space and you're going to be gone, I think in some ways, because our consulting is so like inextricably connected to the health of the organization, at least ideally it's, um, we, 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 it's not like we haven't had any clients be like, okay, we're cutting the contract short. Yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. All right. So you said that there were, so were you a part of any of the internal things at the last one? Of yes. So, well, sort of, I was in charge of one that was ostensibly going to be our play at creating an, a platform for people to write about the future of work. Um, so we would own basically the best platform online for people who are writing about the future of work, the way we kind of think about stuff. Mm-hmm. We thought that was a good move based on some earlier things that we had done. And then um, the pandemic happened. And I also then started trying to dig into that a little bit. And I basically through trying to get that done and the thinking that I did within getting that uh, initiative stood up kind of realized that I think I thought I basically made the pitch that we were making the wrong strategic choice there that creating a platform for other people to write um, and be connected to our brand uh, was riskier than we initially thought and that it wasn't that that juice just wasn't worth the squeeze that we would be much better suited off uh, that, suited uh, <laughs> you, that, you, you like the is that a metaphor you guys use often? Yeah. You like that one? The juice yeah. wasn't worth I think the squeeze? I, picked, I think I picked that from I picked that up from Aaron. He likes that one. Juice wasn't worth the squeeze, man. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you. I need to keep okay. you should like keep a list of all like the consulting isms that I use. I'll try I'll, I I try to avoid them in this podcast, but maybe I should just let them come out. Just really yeah. embrace my corporate douchebag. Every um, now and then Haley and I will use the terms that you know are big in like uh just the corporate world so i'll just gonna i, just, I always talk about i'm gonna go touch base with uh the neighbor yeah. somebody when you touch i'll circle back yeah i'll ping um, you i'm just gonna pop in real quick and yeah. uh and so i say that all the time just to just to get under her skin yeah. to make her feel like maybe she's still in the office oh yeah let's put a she let's put a let's put a pin in that and we'll come back mm-hmm. to it we'll, we'll circle we'll back. put it in the parking lot we'll uh, we'll circle back <laughs> sweet yeah. There's, I have a lot of them. Every client has like their their own like special language for <laughs> stuff like that. That's funny because I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure there's. I'm sure of farmer things because like that we say. <laughs> yeah, probably. I do you guys have love... like a, you guys have like like nicknames for like you don't call them lambs or pigs. You call them like honkers and and <laughs> jib jams or something. No, we just have nicknames for our different different tools on the farm and stuff. Like there's a desired rake for raking. That's Parker. Parker, you want you want to use Parker? There's a there's a broad fork that you hate using. We call him. Uh, it's T-Rex cause he's just massive and, and just hard to use. There's, there's tiny, which is what a rake that we use sometimes. Um, <laughs> but as far as like expressions and stuff, I'm sure there are. Are there like, um, sl- like slang for vegetables? Like, uh, cucumbers are like green boys. And... <laughs> it's mostly <laughs> just, uh, you saw like, uh, Tom Haverford when he talks about like spaghetti is long rice. Um, we just call them now. It's just cukes and zooks. And you know things like that are shortened down a lot, yeah, but pretty good. Um, I still like to call butternut squash butt nuts. <laughs> um, people call them bee nuts, but there are like, but as far as expressions, the only one I can ever think of that we just, I use in life sometimes that comes from farming is telling someone to hoe their own row, which is just to stay in your lane. 
But yeah. if you just go, you just go ahead and hoe your own row. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll keep my, I'll keep my ear, I'll keep my ear to the ground, and I'll let you know if I, I pick up anything. Okay. Thought, yeah, I will, <laughs> I will too. I'll, I'll try to maintain a, a good list of either just ready slang or stuff from my client. Okay. Uh, anyway, the the long story was two retreats ago. I said I'd do initiative. I ended up not doing it, but I feel like I learned a th- important strategic insight, which then led to this retreat where we decided that we'd be better off really focusing on making it easier and more desirable for our own consultants to write under their own name, um, but be connected to the ready. So basically what came out of that is there is a project now that I am leading to move our publication off of medium onto our own website to update our website with our new brand, um, um, branding stuff that we just got done and to update our e-commerce site or our e-commerce store to be just better and more compliant with like, just make it, make it so it's easier for us to add stuff to it in the future. Guess what? I don't have like any of those skills to do that (laughs) stuff. Um, So I'm going to be playing like a project and I also have a bunch. I have like 20 K to like make this happen. So I'll be playing a bit of a project manager role, at least on some of it, I think. Yeah. Um, And not web web development and things like that. Doing that work. Um, But It'll be good. It's like a nice, in some ways, a like a different type of work for me to focus on a little bit. I don't have a lot of time to do it. Basically, Fridays, I try to dedicate the time to working on that and moving it forward. Um, but yeah, it'll be good. I, I care the most about making our about moving our publication off of Medium and having it be on our own site and making it just good and you know the type of website that people want to go to to read about the type of stuff that we do. Um, is that because, I mean, just tying yourself in with a larger publication is not necessarily the most professional and you feel like you it's it's easy to get muddled up with all the other hot takes on Medium that it's hard to take like this really good consulting writing seriously because yeah, beneath that, that you might find some like some, I mean, anyone can write on Medium. That's the sure. thing. Like, you know, I was writing on yeah. Medium for a little bit. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think Medium is a really good service and um, I think it's it's perfectly fine. What I don't like about it is that you have very little control over what um, it looks like. So, like, mm-hmm. we can't do anything to, like, make its branding really look like our website. And, yeah, I think there's an element of professionalism around if you are a consulting company that works with huge companies that everybody knows and charges a lot of money and all of your writing is on, like, Medium. It's like, mm-hmm. that's a little bit yeah. weird. It should be on our own site where we have complete control over what it looks like and how people experience it. Um, and ultimately I just don't, I I think you should own your own platform whenever you can. So I don't like Mm -hmm. being beholden to medium. They have made some weird, not weird. They've been, you know, trying to figure out their business model for a long time. So they've done things about like creating paywalls and like ads and things like that. And I just don't want to be, I don't want the readies public facing writing, which is really important to the work we do to be beholden to medium in any way. Yeah. But at the time when we started the company, it was just me and Aaron, like, we weren't going to waste time building a website. Like Medium was there. We just used it. Like it's perfectly fine. But yeah. now we're bigger than that. Yeah, you've grown, you've grown out of it. Yep. You're big boys now. Something like that. But I have a, I have a bad feeling I'm going to like end up having to do like a bunch of manual work to like move stuff out of Medium and put it on our own You website. hired me to do that last time. <laughs> for your personal that was for my own personal one. Yeah, yeah. I forgot I did that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I've done that work. I may, uh, I may be giving you a call at some point. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I can do stuff I like got, that. I've got budget, so uh, we'll <laughs> we'll see. Um, but I got like, I mean, there's all sorts of things that I don't even like. 
things that I don't even know that I don't know around. I don't want to like screw up all of our SEO, our search engine optimization for stuff that we've written a long time ago by like copying it over, deleting it from Medium, and like suddenly when people Google us, they can't find our stuff. I got to figure out like what, like how to do all of that, and whether we want to move over everything that we've written or just our best stuff. Yeah. Or maybe move over nothing, but only have new things from here on out on our own site. I don't. You should. Uh, don't you know. should probably like figure it out. Probably like a cons- probably a consultant. You can hire. Probably hire a consultant. Yeah, <laughs> and I probably will. So <laughs> wasn't sure if there was a lot of that happening in the consulting world. Oh yeah, consultants, consultants hire each other to do stuff all the time. We're working gotcha. brand some branding consultants right now. Um, yeah. Cool. You guys changing yeah. changing your logo and stuff? Changing your image? Ever so slightly, and <laughs> like it's. <laughs> Brand people, designers, don't let Haley hear this. Easy now, weird people, man. They (laughs) care about the most obscure. I mean, I guess that's the nature of anybody who's deep in a thing, right? Yeah. Um, But I watch because we're in a shared Slack channel with them, and I watch them going back and forth with Aaron, who loves this stuff. He's like a pig and shit with design stuff. (laughs) But they're like going deep on these like minor logo tweaks and font tweaks and like. It all looks basically the same to me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, it's hilarious. Um, That's what, yeah. I live with that because Haley will a lot of times just work on different logos for things and ask me, which one do you like more? <laughs> and I'm just like, Ugh, you know, it's, they both look great. Like, I really like them both. I don't, I don't have the eye for it, yeah. but they do. They're very specific. I'm glad somebody yeah. does, and it looks great. Um, so, and we have like some new colors, a new palette that we're going to use for our, our stuff. So far, I've only seen, um, like a, a keynote deck template that we're going to use for our own stuff. And I'm actually going to meet with Aaron on Friday to figure out what we need to bring over to our website. Cool. So that's my new project. That's fun stuff. I guess so. You'll re- you guys come back in what you said, uh, four months. Talk yeah, about that trimester. Yeah. Every four months. So sometime what in October, October, I, I got to have it done. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Good luck with that, man. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. Um, is. And then so you say you got a new, you got a new month focus, huh? Yeah, it's, it's July, so, man. So it's June, what happened? That was simplicity. You kind of backed June off. June was just me not doing anything and holding myself to zero standards. That's nice. That's <laughs> good. It was I kind sh- of nice. In, in some places, it was like, you know, like if I started feeling bad about like, oh, I should meditate or I should go do a thing. I'm like, no, it's June. I can do whatever yeah. the hell I want. I don't have to record any data. I don't have to do anything if I don't want to. I'll just do what I want. That explains um, that mustache. <laughs> you funny guy over here. <laughs> mustache predates June, you dick. Uh, and my mustache looks incredible, by the way. Hey, our grandma listens to this. I'm sorry, grandma. I'm sorry I said dick, <laughs> grandma. Uh, uh, you ween? You wiener? You dinker? Okay, that's um, better. Anyway. Oh, you see I got a haircut, too? Nah, you look sharp, man. Thank you. You went out to the quarantine to get a haircut, huh? Mm, yeah, well, I'd wear a mask the whole time, but got got that haircut. Yeah, you, um, you look like- Anyway, June was, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't know if I really learned anything from June other than I think I I thrive with structure, and the removal of all structure does not necessarily bode well for my mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Although, you know, I could probably take the structure too far sometimes, so it was a good good sanity check, a good kind of resetting. Um, And now, July, I'm doing another month of move, and I decided for that I'm going to try to... I don't know if we even really talked about this, but I got a Peloton. Bike yeah, I've seen May. that. I've, we talked about it a bit, just yeah. us personally, but not yeah, the like when we because like when we were like in the 
depths of the quarantine where we're like, are we going to like not be allowed to go outside? Like, should we get something that lets us actually exercise like well in our own apartment? Yeah. So we got that. And I'd been using it a little bit off and on, but I felt like I hadn't really given it its fair shake of like every day trying to ride it and, and like really see what it has to offer. So I'm going to ride, I'm going to basically ride it every day in July, except for deliberate rest days. Um, and then I'm going to try to do a hundred pushups every day. Nice. Not all in that one sounds, go, but just like yeah. spread out through the whole day. That sounds and like that's a lot. what my whiteboard has back there. Let me yeah. let me let me bring you on a quick journey of um of my per, my of my push up uh, uh endeavors. Okay. July first, I yep. did eighty. Not bad. July second, I did twenty. Oof! You hate to see it. July third, I did twenty. <laughs> you sure you want to do hundred every day, huh? And this is not me being like, oh, I just ran out of time. This is me being like, I'm going to get down and do push-ups, and I could only do that many because <laughs> my arms were so wrecked after that first day. I hadn't done push-ups in, like, literally years. Yeah. Well, um, you, I'm you still need... kind of feeling it from mm-hmm. that first week. You and should I've call only... Mr. Went every time you do it. I know. I'm Man only, or mouse. Uh, the 5th, 6th, and 7th, I did 40. And uh, Today okay. I'm on a deliberate rest day, and I'm feeling like maybe after tomorrow or after today – I may be able to get back into like the realm of a hundred, but I absolutely destroyed my pecs and my arms. Uh, well, maybe the goal day. should be to to be able to do a hundred in a day at some point. You should work your way up to it. Yeah, I mean that is that's what I'm working my way okay. up to. But I, hopefully, I can get there before the end. I mean, I almost did a hundred on the first day. Yeah, I'm not gonna mock that, man. I don't. I hate push-ups, and push-ups I don't suck. foresee myself getting down and doing a push-up anytime soon. Yeah. Um, well, I like to pretend I mean, that my job is a, exactly. You're a farmer a boy. Yeah, I know, but people, I mean, like, we, don't get me wrong, we like, there's plenty of physical aspects of it, but I don't know if it necessarily correlates to 100 push-ups, but I'll pretend that it does. All right. But and yesterday, yesterday I did a, a, a fitness test on the Peloton, it's called the Functional Threshold, I don't know what the P stands for, program? Something. Where basically, you go, you try to generate as much power as you can in 20 minutes, like, you leave it all on the bike, and mm-hmm. it gives you, like, your some number which i think is ostensibly like what it calculates you could kind of sustain for an hour um and i did that and my god at the end of my 20 minutes i was uh, i almost passed out my legs were shaking how'd my you, legs were so gel were so jelly like i couldn't even really like unclip my feet from the uh from the from the pedals i don't even remember what my number is but it was when's the last time you were think you were that like worn out in the legs good question half marathon it felt like half marathon is different though because you're not like sprinting by the end of the 20 minutes i you were like going as hard as you can at a pretty hard resistance i think what it was it brought me back to like triple a hockey like we had some bag skates where i I had that similar feeling where you're just going sprinting as hard as you can back and forth back and forth um, I think that's where where the last time I felt that. Yeah, I think there were some middle school workouts with Mr. Wendt that maybe would have been on par yeah. with that. Yeah, or like probably. summer fun or something where we did some sprints, and by the end of it, you're just like, I I can't pick up my legs anymore. That's yeah. pretty. That's good though the, to do that to yourself again. Yeah. It's been a long time. It sounds like it was good. Um, and I think the idea is you do that like every ninety days or so to see how your fitness is improving. But so nice. far, it's uh, it's fun. I like it. Yeah, everyone, everyone it makes loves me feel the like a bougie asshole. Like. Yeah. Do you um? Well, I mean, it's just like the commercials. I'm sure you're um, yeah. and you're 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 in your high rise apartment in New York City, overlooking the Central I mean, Park, seventh and, floor, overlooking yeah. a, park. a park. Is the the kite's gone? That's right. But sometimes there's people out there you can look there's at. No, no kite. There is someone sunbathing out there, um, mm-hmm. and they've been doing some sort of like 
concert in the park you said there was a concert the other day someone's also been doing like interactive art down there so like there are these giant hearts that people were taking pictures in front of and now there are like windmills down there um and then there were like kites that are attached to the fence that you can just like grab and like play with that's nice yes it's kind of neat anyway uh i'm gonna be big strong boy at the end of july sounds like it you have some big old quads Big old quads. Well, well part of the reason I got the Peloton is I, I think maybe I can be good at riding bikes. Like, I can't be, play hockey yeah. anymore, right? Like, I can't yeah. risk any more head injuries. So I need something mm. else. Uh, yeah. And maybe – and I've tried running, but I got these tiny little calves and I'm in tiny little ankles and my, I get tired. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe, like, what – you know, hockey has turned Low me impact. in some ways turned me into, like, a weirdly shaped man. Mm-hmm. Um, how could I use that to my advantage? Well, I've got a big ass and big quads, so maybe riding a bike would be good. Yeah, that seems. I mean, it seems like a direct correlate. That's where you should be done. Yeah, well, and I we'll think see. it's probably going to be better. You'd think on your body. You see more people, you know, bike riding into to later into their life yeah. than they do playing hockey. So, um, hopefully, you can continue that. You got to get yourself a nice road bike or something yeah, now. Next, I probably will at at some point. So that's sweet. Yeah, I've, I, we have a couple friends who've gotten Pelotons, and everyone everyone seems to actually be very into it. As much as their commercials make them seem insufferable <laughs> and like insufferable people ride them, yeah. those that have them say that you know they do actually yeah. use them quite a bit. So yeah. it's not just holding clothes or you know things like that. So no, far, it's your... not. <laughs> that's good. Well, yeah. we'll be able to update us on your month of move. I'm excited to see those, that push up count. Just get up there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll send you pictures of my whiteboard. What's uh? <laughs> what are your mouse count at? Mouse count, nothing, nothing changed, man. What? I think we've been locked in at nine. Um, I'm down yeah. to one trap in that in that cupboard, seeing no no signs, no movement. So I think whew, I think we're good. I think we've we've gotten over the the hump at least, and or maybe maybe there'll re, be some more. Uh, they're they're gonna, gonna they're just getting ready to kind of reattack. They're evaluating, come up with a plan. Yeah, yeah. There's a war room full of mice right now, just yeah. deciding what they're gonna do. Yeah, I think so, I think so. <laughs> well, I'm ready for them. All right, cool. And my well, dog, see... and my dog is ready for them. <laughs> yeah. Does she actually – is she into mice? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. She caught one. We have, we've been chained, like, kind of like clipping her into a long leash on the porch outside. And uh-huh. um, this like – I think it was more of like a vole or something else. But decided that it was a good idea to go out where the big big dog monster was. And Boca caught it, killed it. I had to take it from her before she decided to eat it whole. <laughs> and so she's she's killed two or three mice just out in, out in the open, not in the, not in the apartment. But, yeah, she's, she's got that killer instinct. Nice. The other so. day, I walked out of my apartment, like out of the apartment building. And there was mm-hmm. a mouse just running around, like in the street. That's man. That's that's how. That's where we're at, man. That's quarantine. Yeah, just living the, the nature. Everyone said nature was going to take over. <laughs> yep, that's what they it meant. Is, it sounds like it is. Um, All right, we got a whole we, list of things here, but we're 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 over an hour, and I'm yeah. I'm well, better. let me list off my things. Things I've been into is pretty is pretty brief. Okay. You've got the deliberate where you can write things. This is yeah. my chance to say right, things. Fine. Um, you can then get to you'll get to your dinner. <laughs> Actually, I have uh, another client call in 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, I'll be quick then. Okay. Um, I won't talk for 20 minutes about these four things. <laughs> okay. Um, one of these things is, is weirdly, I don't know how I got into this, but it's I call it online booksellers, which is essentially Amazon? I have no, no, not <laughs> Amazon. An online bookseller. They are an online bookseller, but I haven't been able to go to used bookstores or anything, and I've been slowly trying to build up my personal library, and so I discovered through Instagram mainly that there is this like little world of people that sell used books um, through Instagram for cheap and they ship them to you, you pay them through Venmo or PayPal. Um, some people, you know, have a specific thing they try and sell or just selling classics or whatever. 
And so I've bought like seven or eight books now via Instagram and some other things. Um, And I usually try and buy either one, a book that I have wanted for a while in my collection or, um, and they made really cool book covers back in the day in like the fifties and sixties, like the old Signet classics and stuff. So I've just been slowly hoarding books um, because of that. What kind of ads does Instagram give you if you are a person who buys used books off of Instagram? They, uh, I don't think they know what to do with that because <laughs> okay. you're already spending money on this other thing that they can't tap into. I get a lot of furniture and the, the classic, you know, millennial stuff. A lot, of, And I do get a lot of weird, like, um, not farming, but like construction companies. Like, I don't know why these people are putting out <laughs> sponsored content, but it's like people like picking a, a company that does recycling or something or all these different things. It's just very like, huh. I don't know, very blue collar. Um, I mean, you're pretty blue collar. I guess so. Um, I like their idea, though, that like, okay, blue collar guys, they're just into other blue collar things. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he's he posts farm stuff. He likes farms. Let's get him. Let's show him big trucks. Let's show him a tractor. (laughs) And uh, anyways, tractor. um, Been buying books, buying lots of books. Okay, Uh, cool. I got some cool, some cool Steinbecks and stuff on the way. I'm excited for. Um, Then I watched. This is a, sh- a series on Netflix called Home Game. I don't know if you've seen that uh-uh. at all. Um, basically, it's just an eight-part series where every episode is a sport or something kind of crazy sport that is very either culturally important to a certain country or place. Um, so, you know, the, um, yeah, the the, the what they call the Highland Games in Scotland, whatever they they talk okay, about that telephone poles. Yep, they throw the, that's the caber toss and things like that. They did an episode on that. There's an episode on like um, um, water buffalo racing, kind of like drag racing that happens in Indonesia. Um, there's hockey, uh, right? Sad, surprisingly not. The only American one was um, Texas roller derby, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. Um, so it's just a bunch of like one-off episodes about interesting sports, free diving, people who go down as far as they can without without any supplemental that's oxygen. That's insane. Scared me so much. Um, really, really good series. Recommend if you're looking for um, well, something to watch. We've been watching them on Netflix too. Which been watching? The Witcher. Oh yeah, we watched The Witcher. We um, we you, when you finish it, you talk to us. Okay, we're into it. Um, we're into it a lot. It's it's, it's so it's, violent and sexy. It's it is very sexy, and very violent, and very confusing. It's, it's very confusing. It started as very confusing, and now it's starting to cohere. We have two episodes left, I think. Yeah, I guess we were a little frustrated how long it took to become coherent um, and make some sense. But I just uh, also love how nerdy it is. Like, yeah. just busting out these, like, fantasy names. Creatures and, like, everyone's and stuff. really <laughs> serious about it. And I'm just, yeah. I'm into it. I am here for it, as the, ki- as the kids say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, because I'm not you and could never see in person, we watched Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Oh, what do you think? So I, I, I was incredible. I mean, yeah. this is coming from somebody that has listened to the soundtrack many times, has watched right. clips of them performing and stuff on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, but it was really nice to see it all, how it's meant to be seen. Um, I think there's some pros. I can't compare it, obviously. But I think watching it this way, made into a movie, you just I like that they zoom in a lot more on faces and stuff. So yeah. things you can't see when you're Plus there. It's the actual uh, Broadway cast, the original cast. Yeah, it's the original right? cast, which yeah, I think I'm is excited really to cool. watch it. Um, yeah, I loved it. And I think it just, uh-oh. <laughs> it just clicked. El Oh, he's falling apart. We're two foot. This is happening. We get past an hour. Sam just starts hurting himself. So we dead. Yeah. Um, it's great. I, I'd be interested in what you, what you think All once right, you yeah, see I'll, this I'll version. I'll watch it and I'll let you know. 
Last one's not that important. I uh, got cakes. What kind Haley of cakes? Thr- Haley thrifted some cake pans, and I've been making cakes. <laughs> I made a strawberry cake that was pretty amazing. It had like a, it was less of like your classic cake interior, a bit more of like a um, like a like a cheesecake moussey kind of like like that type of consistency in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then I made a uh, a carrot cake as well. Yeah. Um, both were great. You gotta get your veggies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more cakes in the future. Uh, that's about yes. it. <laughs> Cool. What more is there to say? You know, you should make a cake and bring it home to Michigan. Okay. Well, I think when I get home, I'm gonna make some sourdough bread while we're there. Cool. Because mom's got starter. Because mom's nice. hip. I made some bread yesterday. Oh uh, yeah, you're still on your bread journey. It's pretty great. You still got a bread bowl. Yeah. Bread bucket. No, a bread bucket. <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, we've already done yeah. a show and tell on the podcast through bread before, so we can't yeah. dive into it again. No, we're good. <laughs> we're past that. Yeah. All right. Well, I've held you for too long. It no, sounds it's... like you have more work. I do. I have one more client call. Uh, very rarely do I work beyond like five or five, beyond five thirty. But someone on the West Coast wants to have a call, so. Six well, thanks for day. thanks for penciling me in, Sam. Wait, yeah, wait, no wait, problem. Wait. No problem, Max. I was happy to move some things around on my calendar. You know, fit you in there. We get uh, get some good one on one time. We'll touch base. Uh, we'll touch base again, maybe two weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, just reach out to my uh, my EA, and uh, you know, she'll find some time on my calendar. Um, Emily's my EA. Oh, so you have an executive assistant? I wish, dude. I so, will someday. Hire me. Someday I'd, hire love me. To, I'd love to have one. Hire me. Hire you as my EA? Yep. Okay. Well. I could do that. I think you would hate your life if you were my EA. Wow. I do a podcast with you and I hate my life. <laughs> oh, hilarious. All right. I've been Sam. I've been Max. This feels work.